From Bainbridge Island to the villages. Pickleball is one of the fastest growing sports in America. Buckeye to Abbotsford. Time out, baby, yeah! St. George to Rochester and all points in between. If you've heard of pickleball or you already play it, then you know. This is the Pickleball Show. Hello, my name's Wayne Mugley, pickleball lover. And here's the host of the Pickleball Show, Chris Allen. Live from the PBX Club Studios, it's the Pickleball Show. I'm your host, Chris Allen, joining you today from Asheville, North Carolina. And from Portland, Maine, District Ambassador Linda Einsiedler is also joining me. Hi, Linda. How are you today? Hi, Chris. And special shout out to those PBX fans out in Riverbend and Punta Gorda, where I just came from. Joining us also today is the one and only legendary Coach Mo. Hey, Coach. How are you today? Hi, how are you, Chris? I'm doing well. Thank you for making time for us again today. In your clinics, what's the most common mistake you see people making, or what's the most common thing that you deal with over and over again? Well, generally, it's trying to convince them, and I and I do try and teach them the percentage way to play the game and convince them that getting up to the line within one inch of the line is the percentage place to be on the court. And it's very difficult to get them to do that because some of them just aren't very good volleyers yet. They're just learning the game. So they kind of feel more comfortable being in the middle of no man's land. But after a while, and they watch us demonstrate, we explain every stroke, we explain the volley, and then we demonstrate the volley. They participate in the volley, and then we critique the volley. So after a while, they start getting confident that they can volley and not be afraid of the ball to be up close to the net, and they become a better player and play the game the percentage way, the proper way to play the game. Here's a question that came in from Jerry, and Jerry is actually a woman, and she says, I am a petite 50-plus woman who at times plays uh, men that are ex-tennis players. She said, I'm holding my own, but I want that extra edge. How is my game different? How is her game different than these guys that she's playing against, you know, being ex-tennis players? And, you know, they probably power the ball a lot. How should she play differently? Would you advise her to play differently, Coach Mo? Well, if she's playing mixed doubles and she's playing at a high, high level, when I played with Phil Bagley, who I thought was the best player in the world and probably still as good as anybody in the world, I had to play like mixed doubles. I had to play like a woman. I was not quick enough. I couldn't bang with any of the bigger players. I did not want to try and overpower them. My job was to make sure I didn't lose the point. And I was very confident if I didn't lose the point, then Phil was going to win the point. So you've got to think in terms of keeping the ball low, keeping the ball between the toes of the male player on the other side of the net and play steady, play percentages, 80% down the middle, stay away from the angle shots. Don't try and win the point. Just keep the ball and play low and wait for your male partner to win the point, and you'll be a much better team if you're playing to win. And now there's getting to be a lot of big purses out there, so at the highest level, it's the smartest way to play. And even if you're really, if you're interested in winning, then that's the way to play. If you're just playing for fun, then it's a different story. Then you can just try your best to win the point and keep the ball at the toes. One thing that I've been trying to tell myself is that uh, you can't win the game. You can only win the point. And then I tell myself, and you can't win the point. You can only win the shot. I've been trying to just keep my mind focused on what's happening to me right then and there. And uh, and that's been helping some, I think. And the way I define winning the shot is that on the serve and the return, if I get it deep into their backhand, that counts as a win. And then uh, for everything else, if I can make them hit up on the ball, I consider that winning the shot. 
Uh, what do you think about that? Well, I'm, I'm using logic now. On my return to serve, I tell my opponents where I'm going to put the ball, exactly where I'm going to put the ball. I tell them I'm going to put it six feet from the baseline, eight to ten inches to the left of center, so that the person on the other side of the net, the left person, backhand, on their backhand. So they have to hit up on the ball, and generally 95% of the time, at every level, low to the backhand is the way to go. You don't want to hit a ball to a forehand to a 5-0 player. So if you don't want to hit it to his forehand, you better hit it to his backhand. So if you go down the middle of the court, You've got 10 feet in both directions to make a mistake. You're going over the low part of the net. It's two inches lower in the middle of the net rather than it is by the post. If you hit the white part of the net by the post, that same shot down the middle would be a good shot. You're taking angles away from your opponent as far as passing you and your partner that are up at the line. If you're playing the game properly, you're going to be both up at the line before the serving team gets the ball back again. And the best reason why down the middle is the best place is you're causing confusion between the two players on the other side of the net. And what usually happens is one person thinks the other's going to hit it, the other one thinks that's going to hit it. And the only way you can prevent that is the good communication. And a lot of times players don't have good communication and they either cough the ball up or they miss it. So if you play the percentages, 80% down the middle, 20% angle shots, work the point, be patient, give yourself enough leeway, unforced errors decide who wins at every level, even at the 5-0 level. It's amazing how that, that holds true no matter what level you're playing at. And only as deep as you and everybody. I don't know how, every, how well everybody hits the ball, so they have to keep track of themselves and see what's working for them. If they miss only once a month, then keep doing it. If they're <laughs> missing 20 or 30 times a month, maybe they should think about playing the percentages. Back off just a little bit. Let's launch a little uh, true-false trivia poll here. This is uh, straight from the rule book, and we're going to go ahead and launch the poll, and uh, everybody attending the webinar can vote on the poll. True or false, a serve that hits the non-volley zone line is a good serve. True or false, you can vote right now and also type in your question for Coach Mo. If you have one, you can type it in that question box or you can raise your hand and we can unmute your microphone and put you on live with Coach Mo and also Linda Einsiedler. Well, thanks, Chris. I've got a favorite Coach Mo story, actually. What is that? He came up last year and did a clinic for us. And when I started pickleball, I was told on no uncertain terms not to lob. No lobbing, Linda. No lobbing. I said, okay. So then we got Coach Mo up here, and Coach Mo taught us how and when to do the lob. Well, after that, it was unbelievable. We started lobbing. Everyone was learning how to do it as a weapon, it, and it was all because of Coach Mo. And so every time I lob, I, I go, thank you, Coach Mo. <laughs> well, if I had a quarter for every time I want a point, lobbing, I would be a multimillionaire right now. But I use it against, you have to use it against the right person. You have yeah. to wait till you're up at the no volley zone line, unless it's yeah. a defensive lob and you're running back for a lob. Yeah. You have to pick your person who doesn't leave the ground by 15 inches and jumps in the air and has an <laughs> exceptionally good overhead, you wouldn't want to use it against that particular person. You should lob over the backhand if you're going to lob, never over the forehand if you can help it, down the middle of the court over the left person's left shoulder. So it's either left person's left heel or left person's left shoulder. And make sure the wind is your friend. Think about the wind before you start the game. Hit a few lobs to get the feel of the wind. 
so that you won't make mistakes during the game, you'll make the mistake before the game. And pick your time to log. If the ball's close to the net, now you're one foot from the net, they're seven feet from the net, you go over their left shoulder, and if you disguise it really well, and the way I dink the ball, you cannot tell if I'm going to lob or I'm going to dink. So right. it's not a, if you disguise it properly against the right person, it's a great shot. You know, when you get up to the 5-0 players, maybe not a very good idea, unless you're really, really good at the lob. Yeah, and I would also like to go back to that the petite woman, the question about how she should play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a 50-plus petite woman, and she's playing against these, these guys that are ex-tennis players. Yeah, I am a petite woman, too. So, And this follows up with the lob, too. I know people are going to lob me, and so I have to really work on making sure I can hit my overhead, making sure I'm comfortable moving back and covering for overheads. So that's another part of the game, especially if you're a petite uh, person. Well, here's a strategy for somebody who is always lobbing you. Most people, when they lob, they only lob with their forehand. They don't have a backhand lob. So you watch to see who's lobbing and winning points off the lob and see which side they're using. If they're using just their forehand, then keep it to their backhand. If only one of the two players are in their winning points doing that, uh, lobbing and winning points, then keep it to the other player. Let's go ahead and close out the trivia question here. True or false, a serve that hits the non-volley zone line is a good serve. I'm going to close the poll and share the results. 83% say that is false. 17% say that's true. The answer is false. The non-volley zone line is considered part of the kitchen. And uh, so if that serve hits the line, it actually landed in the kitchen and is not a good serve. Now, Coach Mo, you mentioned that you're going to be uh, out and about uh, doing clinics around Florida and around the country. And uh, if people are lucky enough to attend your clinic, uh, that uh, I guess good news for them. If they're not able to, if they live in an area that you're not visiting, you do have the new Pickleball On Demand site, which has uh, videos from your DVD. And I think that you're going to have some new videos on there as well. Is that correct? Yes, we're in the process of making uh, another DVD, my son-in-law and I, Ken. And if you're interested in a clinic up north or anywhere in the United States, you just have to pull up pickleballclinics.com and look for Coach Mo and Coach Maddie Pickleball Clinics Across America. And it'll tell you everything you have to know. Here's a question from Mark Dion. Mark asks, any suggestions on how best to change from right hand to left hand because of an injury uh, to the dominant arm? He says, I'm at the point now where it's either switch arms or become a spectator. Ooh, sorry to, sorry about that, Mark. Um, well, let's make it two parts here. What about uh, you see people like Enrique, you know, that that is just a master at switching hands on the fly to grab a ball maybe that's on you know his backhand side and he just seems like he's almost ambidextrous he can do it with either hand is that a strategy that you again would not recommend that people adopt if they don't have it already coach mo i don't recommend switching hands but if somebody says they're going they're going to do it even though i don't recommend it then i will help them be a better player doing it their way because i i learned it from enrique watching enrique he does it very efficiently he has two hands on the handle one in a forehand grip and one in a backhand grip. Once his brain says forehand, he just lets go with his left hand on the paddle and hits it with his forehand. If it's a backhand, he lets go with his right hand that's on the paddle, on the bottom part of the paddle, and hits it with his left hand. A lot of people that do that, they have it in one hand, and they have to pass the baton in a sense like mm-hmm. track and field. That's why 
track and field times are so slow because they have to pass that baton between four runners. So the passing is very inefficient. If you just let go with one hand and move it over to the right and have the angle set on the paddle already, and time is of the essence and you're able to be quicker, which means you're going to make less mistakes, but you're still better off learning how to hit a backhand and you'll be a better player. But if you can do it back again, if you can do it at the national level and win like Enrique does, <laughs> nothing wrong with doing it. It's probably the best way for him to play. What's been your take on the uh, the new paddles that have been coming out? Maybe a little bit of a rougher surface and all the different uh, different cores and everything? As long as they don't change the game so it's not fun anymore. Don't change the ball. Don't make it too rough. Don't make the paddle too powerful like the A-Pike paddle that came out and you'll be fine. My opinion is buy the biggest legal paddle you can find because... My paddle is 10% bigger than most paddles, <laughs> so I think that's a percentage thing to do. You can put the, the roughness on a, on a bigger head paddle, too, which uh, if it helps your game, that's great. But not so rough that it's going to make the points shorter. The reason everybody loves pickleball is because the handle is shot, they can learn the game fast, and the points last a long time because... It's not so powerful that they miss a lot of balls. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it so much fun. And you get a lot of exercise, and everybody loves it. So if everybody's having fun and addicted to pickleball, don't change it. That's the way I feel about it. Here's a question that just came in from Larry. Larry says, I'm a 5-0 player now teaching and doing clinics. What's the best subject matter or the best things to work on for more advanced players? I have people come in and take my clinics that are 5-0s down to 2-0s. And I'm teaching them the percentage way to play the game. Rachel Crew came in from Minnesota. She's in the, probably the top 10 players in the United States. And I spent time with her teaching her at the 5-0 level. But it's not that much difference if you think about percentages. There are certain moves that you would teach a 5-0 player that you wouldn't teach a 2-0 player. There are a lot of players that come to me that are 5-0 players. Like today, Lydia, or yesterday, Lydia asked Lydia can't think of her last name, but it was Finster first. She just got married. Uh, she'll come to me and say, how do you hit a... Uh, overhead. I want to improve my overhead. And I'll I'll work with her. And I'll work with uh, different people. Uh, Kyle Yates came to me once and said, I'm having trouble with my backhand. And can you take a look at it? And I'll do that. And I enjoy doing that. Yeah, I was talking with Jeff Shank a few months ago, and uh, he relayed something that Tim Nelson told him. And that was that the, the only difference between a 4-5 and a 5-0, it isn't really ability. It's just shot selection. And, exactly. Uh, was wondering what your take is on that, and how do you teach shot Mental selection? Mental toughness, shot selection, how to win, knowing uh, your opponent's weaknesses, knowing enough to play their weaknesses and keeping away from their assets. That's what determines uh, mental toughness is probably one of the best. When it gets down to the nitty-gritty, the 5-0 player will beat the 4-5 player. A 4-5 player has all the shots, but... They just don't hit the ball as accurate and consistent and as fast and keep the ball as deep as their opponent. They practice uh, Rob Elliott and his family. He got two classy kids. His wife is excellent. She teaches the kids too. They're out there practicing two hours a day, and it shows. They win at the Nationals. They win the National Championships because they're practicing two hours a day. And uh, if you get Federer, Federer is number one in the world at times. He still had to practice three or four hours a day. So it all depends on how much they're willing to improve their game. They have the ability. It's how much they're willing to practice to get themselves to a point where they can beat other people that are very good, too. I'd also say that, like, um, when you drill, most people just want to drill one shot. 
just hit hit the third shot, third shot, third shot. But what we've been doing is we've been drilling scenarios, hitting a series of three dinks, and then as setting up for a lob over the person's head. Do scenarios that teaches you some muscle memory for shot selection. Does that make sense? That does make That's sense. Excellent. Yes. The rule of thumb is it's what you're delivered. If the ball is delivered to you low, then you're on defense and you keep the ball alive. If the ball is delivered up high, then you go for the winner at the left person's left foot. And when the right person starts to come over to defend that person's backhand, you go to his backhand because that becomes a high percentage shot. So you're really thinking in terms of playing the percentages, be patient, wait for the ball to be high enough and put it away. Now, if you're a 5-0 player, they have other little things that I could teach a 5-0 player that they're going to go for the upper part of the body, uh, right shoulder, when the ball's below the net. As long as it's close enough that and it bounces up high enough, then you can tattoo the guy up in the upper part of their right shoulder. Or you can hit that three-quarter pace lob that's up, but you're so close to the net, they have not time to react to it. So there's either two things that happen, that you win the point outright there, or they cough it up because it's up around their shoulders. They can't get the power to do anything with it. They cough it up, and then you should be ready for it, just like a box of jabbing is dying to get that right hand in there. It's the same thing in pickleball. You work the point. Working the point is the key. Like you said, scenarios, that's what they call it in tennis, work the point. You're not always trying to hit a winner. You're trying to move people out of position. If you can get somebody to move one or two steps, their percentage of error goes up. At the 5-0 level, you may have to go to that left versus left foot 10 or 12 times. When Phil and I played the Nationals, we had a point that lasted 31 hits. And believe me, there are times that people could have gone for a winner, but they didn't. They were patient, and they were waiting for their opportunity to put the ball away. And patience is a virtue. Good advice from Coach Mo, who we enjoyed talking to today and look forward to talking with again. You can find out everything that Coach Mo is up to at pickleballcoach.com and the all-new upcoming pickleballondemand.com. Coach Mo, thank you. Linda Einsiedler, as always, we certainly enjoyed it. My pleasure, and nice talking with you, Linda. Nice talking with you. Would you like more pearls of wisdom from Coach Mo? Well, you can get them right now. In the top 10 tips from Pickleball's three greatest coaches. It's absolutely free. And of course, Coach Mo is in there along with Deb Harrison and Prame Carnot. Get your copy at freepbxclub.com. That's freepbxclub.com. Don't need a credit card. All you need is an email address. Download this quick study guide and it will definitely take your game to the next level. We'd love to hear from you anytime here at the Pickleball Show. You can email us, mail at pickleballshow.com. Also check out pickleballsummit.com. There still are 3.5 level tickets available, but just a few of them. So go to pickleballsummit.com and be part of this event coming up Charlotte, North Carolina, July 15th, 16th, 17th. I'm Chris Allen. This is the Pickleball Show. And until next week, keep them low. The Pickleball Show is brought to you by PBX Club. PBX stands for Pickleball Excellence. Join today and get the latest pickleball tips and strategies, news, and opinion. Save money on paddles and other equipment with coupon codes to online pickleball retailers. Get travel discounts to tournaments and a whole lot more. How much does it cost to become a PBX Club member? Well, it's free. Just go to freepbxclub.com. That's freepbxclub.com. There's even a link in the show notes for this episode. Free PBX Club. 
PBX Pickleball Excellence. Join the club. It's free.